the beginning of the year, it's kind of a uh, normal and natural thing to go back to uh, looking at some of the basics and things of that nature and kind of a uh, time to re-look at things in a fresh and new manner that maybe we haven't for a little while. And uh, so typically, uh, kind of the beginning of the year is a time uh, in preaching. I try to go back and just let's get back to some of the basics of the Christian life. And so I want to challenge you this morning in this area to consider your thinking. Consider your thinking. And uh, really the Bible says a lot about how we think and uh, our thought processes and all those kind of things. And probably somewhere in the year we'll look at that uh, a little bit deeper. But uh, this morning I want to challenge you in something uh, fairly simple in one aspect, but also vitally important as we go through the year and to make sure that we get off in a good start in the area of our thinking. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8. And you can stay seated as we read this morning. Philippians 4, verse number 8. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the joy of being able to study this morning. We pray now that you'll give the thoughts that are needed. Uh, pray that you will apply it to our lives as needed. And Lord, help us this year that we will think in a biblical manner. We love you. We thank you for it. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. The Green Bay Packers, the previous year, had won the Super Bowl. And Vince Lombardi was the coach. He walked into the locker room uh, the beginning of the next year, the first practice of the very beginning of the uh, practices for the year, spring training and all those kind of things. And he stood up in front of his men. And as he did, he took a football and he held it up in the air. And he said, men, this is a football. And they all kind of chuckled for a second. And he said, men, I want to remind you, just because we won a big game last year means nothing for this year. We're going back to the basics. We're starting everything at the beginning, and we're going to work through it all. And of course, uh, he used that to talk to him about coming back through all the training and back through all the rigor and back through all the difficulty and back to the basics of making sure we're doing things right coming into a new football season. And uh, while we are not just coming into a new football season, we are coming into a whole new year. Uh, We are coming into an exciting year. We're coming into a time that we have uh, been given and allotted by God to be able to serve Him. And if the Lord uh, tarries, number one, and then allows us to live for the next 365 days, then the reality is that we all have the same number of opportunities in 2021, 365 really about 362 and a half now, Uh, it's already going fast, but 365 days this year that we have an opportunity to serve for him. Have you done with the first two and a half? Have you used them for the Lord? Have you used them in a manner that uh, would be pleasing to him? Is your thinking on biblical lines? Is your thinking what God would want it to be? And uh, as we begin the new year, we just want to uh, launch back into these kind of thoughts for a couple of weeks. Uh, As we Looked at a little bit on Wednesday night, we want to make sure that we are living consistent in the Christian life, a life of holiness and a life of righteousness. Often as Christians, we can learn a lot from the way that others think and certainly the way children think. The Klinglers were going on an extended vacation and they asked their nine-year-old neighbor, Mike, about taking care of the family dog. They explained that the job would require feeding, watering, grooming, walking, and spending plenty of time playing with the dog while giving her lots of love. After covering the whole job description, uh, they asked what the job would be worth to Mike. He looked at him for a second and he said, well, I'll give you 10 bucks. You know, he wasn't looking to get, he thought, man, if I could have a dog for a couple weeks, this would be great. Or for a period of time, this would be great. Uh, He was willing to pay for that. And you know, really, uh, as Christians, that's where we ought to be with our Savior, amen? As he comes and says, what's it worth to you to serve me? We ought to say, I'll give you my whole life. You don't have to give me anything. You don't owe me a thing at all. I'm so thankful for salvation. I'm so thankful for what you've already done. Lord, I'm willing to give everything if you'll allow me just to serve you in this next year. The story is told of a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. He was uh, extremely wealthy, and he and his wife were driving along one day, and he pulled into a service station to get gas. As he went inside to pay, uh, he noticed that his wife was talking to the service station attendant. It was back in the days when they uh, helped with all those things and came out and got the gas in your car and washed your windows. And, and uh, she was talking and they back down the road and 
he said, so what was that all about? And you seemed pretty friendly with him. And, and he found out that they had previously dated before they got married. The CVO, feeling pretty good about himself, he said, you know, I bet I know what you're thinking. I bet you were thinking you're glad you married me as the CEO of a Fortune 500 company rather than a service station attendant. His wife looked back at him and she said, no, I was thinking if I'd have been the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and you'd be a gas station attendant. Uh, sometimes uh, we try to guess what the thinking of someone is and we're totally wrong, amen? Uh, this morning we want to think in a biblical manner. We want to think in a biblical thought process. I want to give you three truths that can help us to develop uh, a biblical thought pattern or a biblical mindset as we launch into 2021. Number one, I see the power of our thoughts. If we're going to have an understanding, if we're going to have a biblical mindset, then we have to understand the power of the thoughts. We have to understand uh, why it is such an important thing to think in a right manner. And so I want to give you, first of all, here that we have to recognize the battle. Uh, there is a battle that is taking place today, and there's a battle that will take place all through this year if the Lord tarries in the life, especially, of every Christian. And, uh, and it's a battle that takes place in the unsaved as well. Satan there is trying to keep their minds blinded to the fact they need Christ as their Savior. And Christ is trying to use his children to shine the glorious light of the gospel into the lives of those people. That battle takes place, it especially takes place, in the life of the Christian. It especially takes place because in the life of the Christian, God has a right to our minds. He has a right to our thinking. And so God not only expects, he demands that we think on a biblical pattern, that we think in a right manner, and yet the devil is doing all he can, and he's not trying necessarily to get us to think demonically. He's not necessarily going to try this year, uh, though he would be happy to, to get us to think uh, in a manner as though our thoughts were coming straight from the pit of hell. That's not really his goal. His goal is simply to get us to not be fully focused on the things of God. You know what he really wants to do for us this year, for the Christian who's striving to serve God faithfully? He just wants to get you distracted in 2021. And that's really what the goal of the devil is. And so there's this warfare that is taking place. God is saying, I demand your full attention. I demand uh, and require and I have purchased with my own blood your life and your thoughts and everything about you. And so often in the scripture, it's called our heart, that we ought to love him with our whole heart. And uh, Psalm 119 is an interesting uh, chapter. There's places where it talks about the heart, but there's uh, five or six where it talks about the whole heart. And uh, God wants our whole heart. And that is the seat of our emotion, the place of our thinking, where our deepest thoughts are rooted at. And, and God demands demands and requires and expects that as a believer who has been purchased by his that we give him all of our thinking and all of our desire and all of everything that we are belongs to him. That's what he desires. That's what he requires. And, and there's this battle that takes place of Satan saying, no, 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 you don't need to quite give everything. You know, over here, there's some things you're going to miss out on. Over here, there's some things that you could enjoy. Over here, there's some things that you probably ought to pay attention to. And, 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 and really comes with the same lie. He hasn't changed the lie. He's just repackaged it a bunch of times. But it's the same lie that he told Eve in the garden. You're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on something over here. You're going to miss out on some of the good stuff. You're going to miss out on some of the fun things of life if all you do is serve God. And so we see this battle, this warfare that is taking place, the battleground of spiritual warfare is always the mind. So the mind is the place. The mind is the battle. Uh, then we must determine who's going to win the battle. You say, well, pastor, I've already determined God's going to win the battle. All right, good. What are you doing to make that happen? There was an old, old uh, Indian a preacher met one day, and as he was talking to the Indian, the Indian had been saved for a few years, and he said, preacher, he said, I feel like inside of me there's two dogs. There's the good dogs, the white dog, and there's a bad dog. He's a black dog. And I feel like that white dog and that black dog, they're just battling and fighting all the time inside of me. And that wise preacher looked at him and said, well, which one wins most of the time? The Indian thought for a second. He said, well, I guess whichever one I feed the most. You know, that's exactly what it is in our lives. We can't just say, well, by the power of the will, I'm going to determine to think in a right manner in 2021. It won't work. So what we have to do is, if we could steal that Indian's illustration, we have to feed the right dog. 
If we're watching, uh, you know, the news and we're watching television or watching movies and we're hanging out with people that are not necessarily pulling us towards the things of God, and if that's where our life is built at, the reality is we're going to make decisions that are consistent with that. But when our life is built uh, being in church and serving God, and that's part of why he says to be so uh, careful not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together, we need that encouragement, and we're drawing one another closer to Christ in our conversation, and we're getting into the scripture, and we're spending time in the word, and, and if our life is built in that kind of a spiritual manner, and we're feeding the, the right dog again in that illustration, we are putting in the things that the Holy Spirit of God can use to develop righteousness and holiness in our lives, then the reality is we will think in a biblical manner, not because we sat down and said, I'm determined to do so, but because we said, I'm determined to feed the right dog. I'm determined to put the right things into my life, and what's in is certainly what will come out. Uh, So make no mistake, Satan's doing all he can to get control of our mind. God is doing all he can to have control of our mind. This is the great battle, the great war that is taking place, and if it's important enough that the forces of heaven and hell are battling for control of your mind... Don't you think it's important that we think in a right manner, that we think in a biblical way? We fight this battle using scripture. John 15, 3 says, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So if we're not in the word, we cannot have a mind that is cleansed. So I want to challenge you this year uh, to whatever you're doing already, make a determination. I think one of the things to do at the beginning of a year is to look at some different areas of our life and say, what do I need to do just a little more? Sometimes we don't keep a New Year's resolution because we tried to go from doing a little bit to doing a a ginormous amount. Uh, And we try to just, I'm going to have this big, huge goal. Hold on, hold on. If you're used to spending five minutes every day in the Bible, don't try to go tomorrow and start spending two hours every morning. You say, well, pastor, don't you want people to spend two hours with God? Yes, but you won't do it very long. So instead of making the goal two hours every day starting tomorrow, uh, why don't you say, hey, what I'm going to do this year is I'm going to uh, journey through the New Testament with our church and and, and I'm going to begin there. And then I'm going to add a little bit more onto that and a little bit more to that. And you know what I've found? If you begin with just spending a little more time with the Lord, I'm going to take my prayer time from two minutes to five or five to ten. I'm going to take my Bible reading time from one chapter to four or five. And and I'm just going to grow in these areas. You know what? happens we start getting to know God better because he speaks to us through his word and we speak to him in prayer and that relationship develops and before long we start going man 20 minutes just isn't enough I need 30 and then we spend 30 minutes and we say well now I'm really convicted I've got to start adding in scripture memory so so that's going to take another five minutes a day for now and and we now need 35 minutes and before long that doesn't do it and and man I need 45 and and before long it's an hour but it's not because we said I'm just going to go spend this it's that we grew in it and as we grow in that relationship you know we can't help but spend more and more and more time when was the last time if you've been saved a while When was the last time you came to the place in your own devotional time, your walk with God, that you said, what I'm doing, the amount of time I have, just isn't enough? I mean, I've got to add to it, not because I need to do more, but because I just, my time with God, I just need more time. When was the last time the excitement of it? You said, I just, I I have to add to what's there because I'm so in love with my Savior. You know, that's really the attitude that it ought to be. It's not, I have to do more. It's I can't help but spend more time with the Lord Jesus Christ. When was the last time you came there that you added something new or a new element to your devotional life? We fight this battle of the mind through Scripture. Secondly, we fight this battle of the mind through prayer and fasting. Matthew 17, 21 says, Howbeit this kind, talking about demonic uh, activity, a, a, a demon, this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. This verse is talking specifically about spiritual warfare. And we understand spiritual warfare is primarily the battle of the mind. So in us, we're not indwelt uh, by a demonic force. Praise God for that. If you're saved this morning, but he's still trying to battle you. You know, sometimes we have an area of sin in our life, or we have an area that we just have wrong thinking and we need help fixing it. Uh, Let me ask you, have you been praying about that? Have you been praying, Lord, would you show me the areas I need to change my thinking in 2021? Lord, there might be things I'm thinking wrong that I don't even recognize I'm thinking wrong. 
So would you reveal it to me and would you help me to make the changes that are necessary? Because what I want to think right this year, I want to make sure I'm using my year for you and I can't do that if it doesn't begin with my mind and my heart. And so Lord, in, my, uh, in this spiritual warfare, would you help me to see it? Would you give me victory? Would you help me to change the thoughts? And now Lord, I'm going to begin taking some days or some meals and I'm going to plan it out and I'm going to fast and ask you in that time of fasting to help me think right. You know, there's times for corporate fasting. We see it in scripture and, and um, planning on doing maybe some of that this year and looking forward to some of that and saying, hey, let's fast as a church for some of these things and certain times. And those are wonderful things. But the reality is much of fasting is supposed to be personal and often not really known to most people. If I'm going to fast, I tell my wife, because otherwise she gets disappointed when I don't show up for dinner or when I do and I don't eat her food. And uh, so there's a few people that'll know, but oftentimes people don't really know if we're going to fast. But you know, we ought to take some time this year, and especially the beginning of the year, and fast and pray and say, Lord, would you reveal to me my thinking that needs to change? Would you help me to think in a biblical manner? Uh, then we fight this battle of the mind through temperance. Temperance is the exercise of self-control. There are some things, if we're going to have victory, that we just have to starve ourselves from. Uh, I mean, uh, sometimes there might be something that's not even sin, but it gets us off track. It, it gets us to the place where we're not focused on our Savior like we should be, and, and those things need to be laid aside, the Bible tells us in Hebrews. And so uh, there are things that we just need to lay aside. We need to starve ourselves from, and then there's things we need to make sure we get in and that we are putting in place. Uh, listen to what the, the Bible says concerning temperance. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, it says, Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. You know what that means? There's nothing, it's in all things, there's nothing that we are not exercising self-control. And specifically then, we're striving for the mastery that's in our walk with God. Uh, that's to finish this life and finish our course well, as Paul was able to say that he did. And, and so if we're striving for the mastery, then it comes to this. I am striving to hear well done, good and faithful servant, which means I have everything in my life in perfect control, none of it is more important than it should be. None of it is taking up more time than it should take. So now I'm using all the time and all the effort and all the energy I should to prepare and plan for that day that I stand before my Savior. And I'm living with that in view every moment. I don't know that any of us could stand and say, Pastor, in 2020, I was temperate in all things. All your, never did one thing seem to be more important or take a place of more importance in my life than it really should have biblically. Probably none of us can do that. Maybe uh, there's someone who could say as a consistent thing through the year, but there's moments where that thing overtakes our minds. The reality of it is that Paul is saying to us here in 1 Corinthians and saying to these Corinthian believers, if we're going to strive for the master, we've got to have control in all these areas. That's because otherwise, the things that get out of control, they take over our mind. When something becomes more important than it should be in our life, it becomes what we think about more. The reality is when sports becomes more important than it should be, that's what I'm thinking about. That's one for me that I have to be careful of. Because I can get to the place where I'm thinking about those things and, and uh, what's happening there and all that kind of stuff. I have to be cautious of that. We can get to the place where we get so uh, caught up in a, movie, a TV series. And I've known people that have said, well, Pastor, I've got to rush home from church on Sunday night. I said, oh, what's going on? Well, my favorite show is on on Sunday night. We can get so caught up in that that we're not exhorting the brethren and encouraging one another as we ought to. And really, we're not fulfilling the biblical role that we have. We're just caught up in a TV show. Now, the reality, if that thing is perfectly holy and right and fine and matches up the word of God, then fine. But the reality is that we've got to come back. It may not be that the show itself is sin, but it distracts us from the place where we should be focusing. See, when it becomes too important, we're not temperate in it, then all of a sudden our mind is focused on it. And all of a sudden that thing is put in a higher place or too high of a place in comparison with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he says here, if we're going to strive, we need to be temperate in all things. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, when it talks about the, Holy Spirit, uh, the fruits of the Spirit, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, uh, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, temperance, uh, meekness, 
temperance. Temperance is uh, the one that, uh, or one of those fruits of the Spirit. Against such there is no law. And so when we are walking in the Spirit, one of the things he does is causes or brings that temperance. We can't have it aside from walking in the Spirit. Uh, to Titus, as Paul was writing to him, he gave as a requirement for spiritual leaders in chapter 1, verse 8, a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate. There must be self-control there. Then in chapter 2 and verse 2, he said, The aged men be sober, grave, temperate. Over and over in the scripture, we find that we're supposed to be people who are temperate. Uh, Paul said it in those places. Peter said it in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance. Over and over and over, we must have this control, this self-control. Self-control is not what makes us think right, but if we don't have self-control, we won't be able to think right. So it's walking in the Spirit. It's saying, Lord, would you help me to be temperate uh, in all of these things? We must recognize the battle. We must recognize the devil is after the mind. We must recognize that the world system is after our mind. And aren't they good at shining, bright, shining, flashing lights and saying, don't miss out on all the fun over here and trying to attack our thinking. And yet the Christian says, hold on, let's be temperate. That means I have to have it under the control of the Holy Spirit, so let me just come back to the Word. And when God promises I'm not missing out on the things that are of the most importance and the greatest glory, I'm just going to trust Him in those things. By the way, we may miss out on what the world calls fun, and that's okay. But we're not going to miss out on the true blessings that are promised by God. The true blessings don't always come in the moment. The true blessings, many of them are in eternity. But now's the time for faithfulness. Now's the time to say, we'll let some of our fleshly appetites, our fleshly desires that maybe aren't even sinful, we'll let those go for the time here. Because we're preparing for that day that we stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and give an account there. And so I see here, first of all, the battle for the mind and then the reason for the battle. The mind is the control tower of our lives. The mind is where the orders come from. The mind is what guides our direction. Our thoughts govern our relationship to other people. Our thoughts determine successes and failures and the very direction of our life. The, the, these things are all uh, God understands. He built us that way. So he understands when we are thinking in a biblical manner, when we are thinking and our thoughts are stayed on him, then he has control of our life. When he has the control center, when we are being led by the Holy Spirit of God, when our thinking is biblical, then our thoughts pattern but also our life pattern our walking direction it's all going to come back to the word of God but if it's anything else anything but scriptural thinking then the reality is we will live a life that is not following the word of God and the devil understands that too I don't have to get you to think evil I just have to get you to not think biblical that's all the battle is and so there's this war that is taking place but the greatest reason that this war is taking place is because our thoughts shape our relationship to God. You know what the devil does is he looks at this thing and he goes, I used to have this person, they were born in sin, they were heading to hell. But I can't get them to hell anymore because they've been saved and washed by the blood of the lamb. And when he washed them, he washed them where I can't get them dirty again. And he made them so they can never lose that salvation. So I cannot change their eternal destination. That's already sealed. But what I can do is just get them to be, a less, to be less effective or ineffective as a Christian in this life. And if I can just keep them from taking other people to heaven with them, then that's a win at this point. And that's the battle. That's why when we think biblically, we come back to a place where we cannot help but tell people about the Lord. That's what's on our mind. And so we've got to come back to this place or be in this place as we launch into a year of saying, Lord, I just want to think in a biblical thought process. I want to think in a way that is pleasing to you. And so we see here the reason for this battle. And we see uh, the fact of this taking place, the power of our thoughts, the importance of our thoughts. I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking this morning, amen? But I am saying it's a powerful thing in our life where we are thinking. And sometimes we try to fix the substance of life. I'm not going to do this or I'm not going to go there. 
but we don't give uh, the right balance to the thinking processes. Am I thinking biblically? And that's really what we're talking about. So this battle takes place uh, in the mind and for our minds. So we see that, uh, that part, the power. Then we see the problem with our thoughts. Uh, there's a few things here, and I'm going to give them to you fairly quickly, and then uh, really kind of the, uh, the end here, I'm going to pack in a lot of the scripture and come back to this verse that we started with. But first of all, there's a problem in our thoughts with the influences. The influence of our past can be a problem. You might be here this morning, or uh, maybe somebody's watching online this morning, and you say, Pastor, you don't know my past. You don't know where I've come from. You don't know the mistakes that I've made. And, and praise God even that he saved me. Somebody might even say, well, I don't even know if I could be saved. I don't know if God would forgive me. And, uh, and I don't know about some of those things. And praise God, he does know your past. Amen. I don't have to know your past. Your past. And he knows that he died on the cross and he forgave those sins. And he says, whosoever will may come. Doesn't matter the past. And when we came, we came with a past. I was saved when I was five years old. I didn't have a lengthy past, but I had a past. And since then, I've made mistakes. And maybe you've been saved and, uh, a long time now, and you'd say, I had a, a past, however short or long before salvation, but now even since salvation, I have a past. And I know the mistakes I've made. And I know the, the frustrations that are there, and I know the times I've let God down, and, and I know the times that I should have been faithful, and I knew that I was making a bad decision, and I made it anyway. And I can go back and think of some of those. It's not hard for me to come up with them. And, and the reality of it is that at salvation, we're given a new spirit, we're given a new life, we're given a new beginning. But at salvation, God does not remove the past from our minds. Why? Have you ever wondered, Lord, why do I need to be able to remember what I was before I was saved, especially if you were saved as an adult or, or maybe an older teenager? Why do I need those, those memories? Why didn't you just wash those out? Have you ever wondered as a Christian, if you've been saved a little bit, Lord, some of the failures of the past, why are they so fresh on my mind so often? Why do those times come that, that those failures just come right back? It's not like I'm trying to think of them, but they're there. And Satan is really good at saying, and I don't know exactly how it works, I don't think he sits on our shoulder or anything of that nature, uh, but he's real good at putting that thought there. Remember when? Remember when you messed up on that? Remember when you failed? Remember when all those problems were? Remember when you weren't who you th said you were, or you weren't who people thought you were, or remember when you weren't who you even tried to convince God you were? <laughs> I mean, come on. You're such a failure. There's no way you can be used of God. There's no way he can do anything great with your life. If we're honest, we've all been there sometime. Maybe not the exact thoughts, but something along that line. And aren't you glad that God is the one who's victorious over that? But here's the thing, it can be a problem in our thought life. And if we're not careful, we can come to the place where we start looking at us, and we get discouraged, and we get depressed, we start saying, well, how could God use me? We start trying to figure it all out on our own, and we start trying to uh, and understand how all these things are happening. And yet the reality of it is that uh, in the midst of all of that, God is the answer. You know what happens when we get back in the Scripture, and what happens when we get back to the place that we get our eyes on Him? All those things we can look at the past and say, Lord, thank you for that. Because you know what our past does and what a lot of those memories do? They, they remind us, I'm not perfect, just like that other person over there is not perfect. I mean, if we couldn't remember any of our own failures, some people seem to have amnesia there anyway. But if we never remember our own failure, we'd never remember, hey, I don't need to be quite so harsh on this other person. So there, it causes us to be patient with others. It also, the Bible tells us, God works all things together for good. And so God takes those things and we can look back and we can say, Lord, this is where I was and these are the mistakes I made even since salvation. <laughs> but now in that, look how you've taken those and used them together for good. And now because we can remember them, we can tell others who think God will never be able to use me. Oh, no, no, hold on. I remember I thought that and I could tell you reasons why. But here's the reality. God can use you. I know because he can use me. And together for good and all of a sudden we can start coming and saying Lord thank you 
Thank you for your goodness. We can start praising him in the fact that he can take even our, prom- our problems and our failures and our shortcomings and he can use it all together for his glory and for our good and that he is such a powerful God and now all of a sudden we can relate to other people who are in difficult situations and we can help them through them and we can say, hey, when I was in a similar place, this is what God did in my life. You know, the reality is we need to be able to remember those things, and God knows it, because if we didn't, we would, could not really become who he wants us to be, and we couldn't help others he wants us to help. So don't be discouraged because of the past. Don't be discouraged because there's thoughts there and memories there and, and things that uh, you may come back to that you recognize and realize. I see the influence of our past can be a problem. And then I see, secondly, the influence of wrong input can be a problem. We've already really mentioned this. I won't spend a lot of time there because of it. But if we're putting in TV and magazines and newspapers and movies and video games and all these kind of things, it's all entertainment. That's what our world is built on, at least in our country. And if we're putting in all this entertainment stuff and we're not putting in, as we should, the Word of God, and we're not putting in the time on the things of God, then the reality is that it becomes a major problem in the life of the Christian. So we've got to come and say, Lord, I've got to keep you in your proper place. Ungodly input creates an appetite or an acceptance for the things of this world. Have you ever watched something and, and it just kind of bothered you? And, and you knew, I don't know if this got louder or something, but it sounds like it's louder or ringing or something up here. That helped. Um, but, but you watched something and you knew in your spirit, you know, it... That really wasn't right. I really shouldn't have watched that. I mean, it was an interesting show, and, and I was already into it, and, but I should have just turned it off. And I didn't. And then the guilt comes, or the conviction comes, and, and you get it right, and you say, man, I, just, I, I really shouldn't have watched that. And then the temptation comes a few days later to say, well, you know, this other thing, I know I probably shouldn't watch it. And what happens is if we do that a few times, before long we say, well, it's probably not the best, but, you know, it's not that bad. And all of a sudden, the things of this world that at one time were sin, in our estimation, they become not that bad. And what it does, it desensitizes us to sin. It causes us to begin to accept it. It causes us to begin to think that it's, it's really not that big of a deal. It's really not all that bad. And then before long, we'll watch something like that and we'll say, you know, that was really a good movie. It only had however many curse words in it. And it only had one or two scenes that we had to fast forward. And really, it was a pretty good movie. I've heard people say things like that in church. And I wonder sometimes, how, I mean, when, when you're talking to another Christian, wouldn't you be afraid of what they're going to think? And I know we shouldn't worry about what people think, but sometimes we do. And, and I think, how do you say it's, a, it's really a good movie? How do you recommend to another believer, you should watch this? It's got really bad things in it, but it's really a good movie. How do we get there? It's because we're desensitized. And what one time seemed to be sinful, and it was appalling to us, now in time it becomes acceptable and appealing to us. So we've got to be on guard. Because it's not just movies, it's not just video games, it's everything in this world, everything that is not the things of God. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do anything except for sit in the house and read the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach us that. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. We understand. So, so we're not saying isolation and just isolate from everything that's out there and don't uh, make sure that you never see anything or hear anything that's not exactly biblical. We're going to when we're out in the world. I'm talking about what we are allowing in to influence our life, though. And to influence our thinking. So I wonder this morning, where are you in those areas? Uh, are, are you thinking in a biblical manner? 2 Thessalonians 3, 6 says, Now we command you, brethren, it's a command from God, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. Isn't it an amazing thing? One of the commands of God that we separate from another brother even who is not walking according to the word of God. Now, wait a minute. If God's going to tell us there should be separation there, shouldn't we make sure in the entertainment of this world that there's separation there? That, that we separate and say, I'm going to play, be, be cautious and make sure that I'm only allowing and to influence my life the things that are right before God. And really what happens is we take the word of God 
and it becomes the filter of life. Everything that we see, everything that we do, that we are allowing in as entertainment, we're allowing to influence our life. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's another person, a relationship. It doesn't matter if it's a show that we watch or a game that we play or whatever it might be. We filter it through the word of God. And we say, does it match up to the book? By the way, there's a lot of things we'll have to cut out when we do that. But it's worth it because we're not living for here. We're living to hear well done. And so we see that, that it comes back to our thought process, and that's why Paul's telling them to separate even from brothers who walk disorderly, other saved people, because you can't let that influence be there. We've got to watch the influence. And so I see the problem of the past and the problem of uh, ungodly influence. Uh, it, it can create a spirit of hostility even towards the things of God, and often does. And then I see uh, one other thought that we need to grasp, and that is, we've got just enough time to do it, the identification of a stronghold. The Bible talks about these strongholds, and a lot of these things that we're talking about this morning, they become the strongholds of our lives. They're the things that we, they become acceptable, they become even uh, exciting to us, they become interesting, and if we're not careful, they build a stronghold in the life. A stronghold would be defined as this, it's an area of our mind in which we allow Satan to have entry into our thinking. And here's what a stronghold sounds like. Maybe you've said something like this before. You know, I can't help it. That's just the way I am. Do you realize that's a stronghold? You have been convinced, not by God, didn't come from him, so it has to come from the other side of this battle. And you've been convinced you cannot change something. You can't help it. But wait a minute, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it's not the way I am. In fact, Paul said to the church at Corinth, such were some of you. used to be that way. You used to not be able to help it. That was true. That was, that's the thinking of this world because that's true thinking for this world. They can't change it by their willpower. They can't change it because they are bound in their sin. But if you're saved, you're no longer bound in sin. You can change. You can change anything. Somebody said, well, uh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And I've had people say things like that uh, to me. And, and the reality is this. We're not dogs. <laughs> Amen? Praise the Lord for that. We can learn. We can change. We can grow. Why? Because we have the power of the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. It's not our willpower. It's His power working through us to bring the change that needs to come. And it begins in the mind. It begins with a right biblical thought process. And so we see this stronghold. Uh, a stronghold might say this. It's not that big of a deal. At least I'm not doing. And the reality is that's a stronghold. Now we have justified our sin. So when we're justifying sin or when we feel like we cannot get out of an area of sin, then the reality is we need to come back and say, wait a minute, I need to be under the power and the control of the Holy Spirit of God. And I need to come back to a verse like where we started, Philippians 4.8. And I need to think in that manner, not by my will, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. I need to surrender more to his will. I need to surrender more to his plan. And I need to make sure my thinking is that which is right. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 tells us of the stronghold in the mind of the unbeliever. It says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You know, the reality is, just like the, the God of this world, Satan is doing all he can to blind the minds of the unsaved to the glorious light of the gospel. So for us who are saved, he's trying to get our minds as darkened as possible to the light of the word of God. And the only way to combat it is to get in the book to be made clean through the word which he has spoken unto us. Uh, then we see that this is all deception. It's all battle that is taking place. So we have these strongholds. We have these, these struggles. We have these uh, things that are coming in. There's problems. There's challenges to it. There's difficulty to it. So how do we do it? And that's where we'll come back here, the programming of our thoughts. A couple thoughts here and we'll be done uh, this morning. But I want you to see the programming because it's a process. It's something we must be doing on a regular basis. He says here, Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. This verse has so much in it. We'll hit it in more depth later. But just that word true is a whole message. It's an incredible thought. It's not just whatever things are, are, are factual, though that's the idea, 
But it goes even deeper. Whatsoever things are verifiably true. In other words, if you can't verify it, you can't call it true. Now, again, I don't have time for the whole message on this part, so I'll just give you the thought real fast. That means that if uh, somebody comes to me and they say, well, so-and-so, or there's a bunch of people or whatever, and they're saying, okay, I either have to go verify it or I'm not allowed to think about it. Or sometimes, uh, the, you know, you pass somebody in the hallway, and when you pass them in the hallway, they just have a mean look on their face when they look at you. And you know what our mind does? It says, I wonder what's wrong with them. They must be upset with somebody today. I don't think they'd be upset with me. And, and then we go, well, what was the last time I talked to them? What'd I say? Oh, you know what? I hope that didn't come across wrong. And then we pass them in the hallway going the other direction, and they have another mean look on their face. And we go, well, it must have come across wrong. You ever done that? You start thinking about what people are thinking that they're actually not thinking, but you think that they're thinking about you? And and we start going through all this, and we start thinking, oh, they must be thinking that? And before long, we have this whole story built in our mind of why that person is upset with me. Wait a minute, if we don't go verify it, we're not allowed to think about it. You know what happens when we go verify it, and we say, hey, I, I noticed you just seem kind of bothered. Are you upset with me? And they go, oh, no, I just don't feel good. My stomach's hurting. My head is exploding. And my children kept me awake all night last night. I'm sorry. We go, oh, no, I understand. I mean, it totally changes everything because we just went and found out, is it true or am I just making it up in the mind? The reality is God tells us here in this verse, we have to think on these kind of things. What sort of things are true? The things that are verifiable, and we've taken the time to verify them. And and by the way, I can't just determine, well, that person doesn't like me. Now, if I go say, hey, is there a problem? And they say, no, not really. I just don't like you. Well, now I can think they don't like me. I verified that. And it's a verifiable fact. (laughs) They don't like me. (laughs) And then I can go, well, okay. There's probably going to be other people like that. And just keep on serving the Lord. Amen? And so we can, we can think those things once they're true, once they're verified. Let me encourage you, in 2021, don't get sidetracked by the things that you think about thinking, that you think are going on. Let's go back and find out, is it true? Is it verifiable? Is it something that meets scriptural thinking? Is it true? What sort of things are honest? Uh, that means that, that, there's, that dialogue is true, that it's, it's factual. The first one has more verification idea, true. Honest has more factual element to it. What sort of things are just? That means they're right. You know, there's some things that are true. They're just not, goes on and it says lovely. They're not lovely. You know, if I find out uh, that uh, Brother Ron just decides he doesn't like me anymore and we're just, you know, he's like, I just cannot stand pastor. It probably would not be a lovely thing for me just to dwell on all the time. But I don't know about you, sometimes I have a hard time when I'm just sitting at the house or sitting in the office working on something and all of a sudden those thoughts, you know, that person just, I don't know, I really don't think they're very happy about it. I, I mean, they, you know, they told me they don't like me. And I really would like for them to like me. And all of a sudden you can start thinking on those things that are not lovely. But he tells us here, think on the things that are lovely. There's a lot of lovely things to think on. And we have come through this last year, and there's a lot of things that can can eat up our minds if we're not careful. But you know, there's a lot of lovely stuff in here. So we've got to come back and say, Lord, I'm not going to let my mind get all eaten up with all the stuff. But rather, I'm going to come and I'm going to think on what's truly lovely. And I'm just going to trust you, and I'm just going to worship you, and I'm going to sing, I'm going to exalt your name. And Lord, I'm just going to make sure you're worshipped and praised and glorified in my life. Because that's what's lovely, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's come back and think in this kind of a manner. Think in a biblical way. How do we program our thoughts? Number one, acknowledge that you have the capacity to think right. 1 Corinthians 2.16, For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. What a statement. Nobody knows the mind of Christ. Well, wait a minute, hold on. But we do have the mind of Christ. There's never been in the past anyone that could stand before that, that really had the understanding of his mind. But we have his mind because we have the Holy Spirit of God who took up residence in us. And, and so we can have the very mind of Christ himself. And, and so he says, listen, in essence, here's the thing. You can think in a biblical manner. You can think in a godly manner. You can do that because 
the Holy Spirit of God took up residence in you the day you got saved. And if you're not saved, then you can be saved. Trust Christ as your Savior, and he'll take up residence in you. And you can think in a biblical manner, a right manner, a lovely manner. And so we see here that we need to acknowledge the fact we do have that capacity. You say, Pastor, why is that number one? Because a lot of people go through life saying, well, you know, some people are just happy people. I wish I was like that, but that's just not me. No, 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 hold on. You do have that capacity. It is you. It's not who you were, but it's who you are in Christ. So we've got to come uh, to where we are in Christ. Acknowledge you have the capacity to think right. Number two, seek spiritual things. If we're not seeking the spiritual things, we're not going to think Philippians uh, 4.8 thinking. But if we're seeking spiritual things, and that's the focus of our life, and, and everything in our life is geared towards our relationship with Christ, and it's geared towards how to grow in Him, and it's geared towards that, and all the other things are just peripherals. And it's not wrong to have fun. We ought to have fun. Christians ought to have the most fun of anybody in the whole world. Uh, it, it doesn't hinder fun. It doesn't mean we can't do other things and do things that are even fun within this world. Uh, growing up, I enjoyed playing baseball. and uh, It's fun. It's enjoyable. Nothing wrong with that. We go out. We went out sledding the other day. Nothing wrong with that. And uh, we went down this hill down here, and I didn't realize how much of a curb is at the bottom of the hill until I had Liam sitting on my back and went over the curb. And, and then I realized that's a pretty big curb when you have 70 pounds sitting on you. And, uh, I mean, we had fun. We had a blast. We were able to walk all the way home afterwards and survive. Uh, but that can't become what we're seeking. It's okay when a 6-year-old and a 4-year-old or whatever are saying, we just want a sled, we just want a sled, we just want a sled. But we can't live that way as adults. It can't be what's the next exciting moment or the next attractive thing. It's got to be the Lord Jesus Christ. That must be our focus. And so we've got to seek spiritual things. Then number three, sift through, we have to sift our thoughts through the word of God and the will of God. 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's how we must live. We must bring every thought into captivity. It's got to come through the word of God, through the will of God. Number four, choose to refuse wrong thoughts. Now, this is where most of the time it starts. And, and, and when you uh, go listen to the self-help gurus of the world and, and the leadership people of the world and all that kind of stuff, they start here. You know, you just need to choose to think right. Okay, good. Sounds great. It's just not doable. And they said, well, then you need to just refuse negative thoughts. Great. But that's not number one. And, and refusing wrong thinking is not where this begins. It begins with, I can think biblically because I have the Holy Spirit of God. And now I'm going to seek after the things of God. It really doesn't begin with thoughts. It begins with, I'm getting in the word of God so that he can control me by his Holy Spirit and I'm more surrendered to the Spirit. So I'm really just seeking him and seeking the things of God and seeking a deeper walk with him. And that's where it all is centered at. And as I'm seeking that deeper walk with him and as I'm growing in him and as all the things that I allow to influence my life are filtered through the word of God, now in that there's gonna be times the temptation comes in spite of everything else going on, the temptation comes to think in a manner that's unbiblical. So now I've got to say, okay, now this is where it comes to being temperate in this area. I'm going to choose to refuse those things. I'm going to choose not to think about it. And when they come, I'm going to come back to the Lord and say, now, Lord, you told me to take into captivity these thoughts. And I can't do it on my own. So I see this thing. It's something I shouldn't really be letting dwell in my mind. And it's trying to dwell there. And it's bothering me or it's worrying me or, or, or it's something that's going on in my life. And, and, and Lord, this thing is trying to eat up everything. So Lord, I'm choosing to take this and put it over here and I'm giving it to you. By the way, that's a lot easier to say than it is to do. And sometimes we have to do it multiple times a day or even multiple times an hour for a while. We have to keep coming and giving it back and giving it back and giving it back because we're people and we have a tendency to hold it again. And we worry about it. But he told us, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God with thanksgiving. Lord, thank you I can bring this to you. Thank you for being willing to take it. And Lord, I took that thing back. 
I really, I really don't want it, but I just keep taking it back. I keep finding it dwelling in my mind again. So Lord, I thank you you were willing to take it before and I thank you you're willing to take it again. <laughs> Lord, I'm trusting you with this area. I don't want to worry about that. I'm just leaving it with you now. You know what we tend to do is we let that worry run circles in our mind. And we become anxious and life becomes challenging. But we don't have to live that way. We can bring it, hand it to the Lord, however many times it takes, and say, Lord, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to leave it with you. I trust you completely. And so we see that we've got to just choose to refuse the wrong thinking. Psalm 101, verses 2 and 3 talk about that. We've got to renew the mind then. Last step, number five, renew your mind by feasting on the word of God. Romans 12, 2. The renewed your mind. That's what it takes. And it takes getting in significantly into the word of God. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. If we're going to have wisdom, if we're going to think in a biblical thought pattern, if we're going to think like it explains that we're supposed to think in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8, then we're going to have to let the word of God dwell in us richly. As an idea of uh, certainly the idea of scripture memory, but it's really more than just that. It's that we're so uh, spending time in the word, that we're so uh, encompassed with the word of God, that we're just letting it just dwell in us and we're dwelling in it and, and we're being made clean, we're cleansed through the word which is spoken unto us by the Holy Spirit of God and, and by Jesus. And, and he said, this is what will clean you. And so often we come through and we, we get dirtied up in the Christian life by the things of this world. And we start thinking practically. We start thinking worldly. We start thinking in a manner that really is not pleasing to God. And I don't know about you, but 2020 has had a special challenge at times for me to keep my mind where it needs to be. There's so many things that we can worry about and they can be a distraction. And so at the beginning of 2021, it may be a good time to come. All right, Lord, I'm not going to get distracted by all the stuff. I'm not going to worry about all the political realm and all the other things that are out here and all of the stuff that's swirling around. Yes, I may be aware of some of it, and yes, I may have some strong opinions on some of it. Not that those things are wrong, but that can't become the emphasis of my life. So I'm just going to come back and dwell richly and let your word dwell richly in me. And I'm just going to spend time with you and love you and focus on you. Now, would you help me to think as you would want me to think as we walk through this year? So I want to challenge you. Let's have a year of striving to be in the Word and striving to have our thought patterns and processes guided completely by the Word of God. Father, we love you. We thank you for this evening. We thank you for your goodness. And Lord, as we look into your Scripture today, from passages really all over the book, we can see the importance of this battle that is taking place in the mind. We can see the value. We can see the reason that this battle is a battle for our minds. And yet, Lord, as we are in the midst of all these things, we look and we see that we cannot fight this battle apart from the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Would you please empower us? Would you please help us this year that we wouldn't try to just hold everything in our own mind, but rather that we would give it and trust it to you? Lord, would you help us not to worry? Would you help us that we would not be a people filled with fretting and, and worry over all the stuff? Lord, would you help us to just trust and that we would really and truly be able to uh, lay these things down and leave them with you. We love you. We thank you for it. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for allowing us to bring even the struggles and trials of our lives. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.